Welcome to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. Let's get inspired. Hi, friends, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3, Where's Your Eraser? I'm your host, Amy Latta, and if we haven't met yet, I'm so glad that you're here. Like you, I wear a whole bunch of different hats. I am a wife and a mama of two boys, and I also have my own business and brand, Amy Latta Creations. I have a website and this podcast and several books that are all designed to help inspire folks, especially people who feel the least creative. I absolutely love making things, uh, being a crafter, being an artist, and I love to reach out to folks who feel the same way and folks who wish that they felt the same way to teach them how to make beautiful things. I make all kinds of projects that I share on my website. I love to do home decor. I do metal stamping. I like to paint furniture and upcycle it. But my specialty is hand lettering. Basically, I teach people how to turn written words into art, which is a really fun job. And it doesn't get any better than being your own boss. But today, I want to talk about the most important art supply that I have in my studio. If you listened to the very first episode of my podcast back in season one, you heard a little bit about how I turned my disgusting basement into a creative space that I absolutely love to be in and work in. And it's um, in the bottom level of our house and it has all of my supplies, my workspace. And if you came to visit, hopefully bringing iced coffee with you, you might think that you accidentally walked into Michael's for a second because due to some of the brand partnerships that I have and other folks and just my own (laughs) purchasing habits, I have cabinets and bins that are full to the brim of everything you can imagine. I have all kinds of paints and finishes. I have stencils galore. You'd find Mod Podge, glitter, glue, wooden surfaces that are just waiting to be decorated and turned into something. I have metal blanks that are waiting to be stamped. Hundreds of different markers and pens and all colors and sizes and tip styles. I have yards of fabric, bunches of faux flowers. I've got a heat press from when I had a t-shirt business. I've got a sewing machine, an electronic cutting machine, even though it's not working well at the moment. Um, But the single most important tool of all can fit in my pocket. It's my Tombow Mono Eraser. Now you're probably thinking... Who has a favorite eraser? She's kind of a dork. (laughs) And you might be right. Um, But this eraser is awesome. It can get rid of even the slightest trace of a pencil line. And I take it with me everywhere I go. In fact, I recently, I was um, traveling out of town and I literally forgot to pack my toothpaste, but I had my mono eraser. In fact, ironically, I also forgot to pack a pencil. I had my markers and I had my eraser, but I forgot to take a pencil. But that eraser is everywhere because I never know when I'm going to need it. You see, every time that I create a design with my hand lettering, I start with pencil first. I sketch, um, I call it a design grid. Some folks call it a thumbnail sketch, but basically it's the overall shape that my design is going to take. It's the positions of where my letters go and my embellishments, and I make sure that everything is centered and it's shaped right and that the overall effect is pleasing to the eye. Only then, when I'm happy with it, do I go back with markers and do the final lettering. Then when everything is dry, the last thing I do is go back with my trusty mono eraser and I get rid of any pencil marks that I can still see. But I didn't always do things this way. I am impatient by nature. I want everything done yesterday. 
I love to create, but I like to create quickly. (laughs) I hate waiting for paint to dry. And if you ask my husband, he hates to like paint a room with me because I don't want to tape things off. I just want to start rolling on the wall right away, Um, which never works. Planning first is always better. And just like that, I learned when, um, when I used to do my designs, I was never really happy with how they turned out because I wasn't planning things out. I was just grabbing my markers and winging it and just putting down on paper the first thing that came into my head. But I was never really satisfied with how things looked because you can imagine if I'm not pre-sketching where things are supposed to go, I'd always have a word or two that was off-center, something was the wrong size, the overall shape wouldn't look quite right, I wouldn't like the combination of fonts that I used, and then it was too late. So over time, I learned that I was going to have to go against my natural inclination and sketch in pencil first. That way I could erase and change things until I liked what I saw. So instead of going with just my initial thoughts, I learned to take the time to play around with shapes and fonts and make that a part of my process, knowing that I could take risks and try new and different things because my mono eraser was on hand. If I tried something and I hated it, I could just get rid of it and start over with essentially a blank page again. The same thing happens when I'm illustrating my books. I need the designs and the step-by-step images to be of the highest quality. I mean, that's what you want when you buy it, right? So I have to experiment and sketch until I get things just right. I erase everything I do that isn't my best. The results of changing to do this is that now I can create things that are far more beautiful and more complex designs than anything that I used to freehand on the spot. Having my eraser in my pocket allows me to exceed my own expectations of the things that I can create. But this is not only the case when I'm drawing, it applies to my other project ideas as well. Guys, I can't count the number of times that I have had a plan for a project that was amazing in my head, and then it totally fell apart when I tried to do it in real life. So like one time, this was not real long ago, actually, I had a pop socket and I wanted it to be gold glitter. So I got out my supplies and I put the glitter, um, I was using Glitterific, and I put it on there and I thought that it was dry and done and I put it on my phone and I sat the phone with the pop socket touching the table and the screen facing up. And when I went to pick my phone up, You might have a guess of what happened. I hadn't let it cure properly. It wasn't completely dry, even though it felt dry to the touch. So I picked my phone up, and up came the phone and the pop socket, and all the glitter was still on the table, stuck fast. It was really awesome and fun to clean up, I assure you. Another time, I was trying to make a fall sign out of some scrap lumber, I am not usually the DIY build-it-yourself kind of girl. I'm more like the let's take something and make it pretty. So I find furniture at Goodwill and upcycle it, that kind of thing. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to build this from the bottom up. So I got wood and nails and I was like, going to do this thing. And I nailed my project to the deck. So I have had more craft fails than you can imagine. And every time that you have a craft fail like that, at that point, there's a choice to make actually three options. The first is to quit and walk away. Another is that you can persist in your original plan even though it's clearly not working perfectly. The third option is to take out your eraser and change the part of your plan that didn't work. The first choice 
quitting and walking away leaves you with absolutely nothing except for frustration. The other choice, where you persist with your own plan, leaves you with something that falls short of what it really could have been. Only one of the choices lets you walk away with something that might be even more beautiful than what you first envisioned. The ability to be flexible and erase part of my original plan has actually led to far greater things in my life than just pretty projects, too. In 2016, I got what I thought was the opportunity of a lifetime. My blog, at the time called One Artsy Mama, won an award. It was called the Crafties Award. I got Best Craft Blog, and I got a super cool trophy. It's literally an old bowling pin that they painted, and um, it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. I'm super proud of it. I like to display it. Um, And along with that really cool trophy was the chance to pitch a book, any kind of book that I wanted, to a publishing company in California that was kind of a big deal. And this was enormous for me because I dreamed of writing a book ever since I was in elementary school. As a child, I assumed that it would be a fiction book, but that never was really my gift. I'm not a fiction author. My gift is teaching and explaining things and art. And so at this point in my life, I thought, okay, so that dream that I had as a kid, this is how it's going to come true. I'm going to pitch to this publishing company and, you know, I have this great opportunity because they've guaranteed that they're going to take a look at it. That was the prize. You know, they're going to really seriously consider it. It wasn't an absolute guarantee that they would publish, but they were really going to take that proposal seriously instead of just having it sit in a pile with all the other unsolicited submissions. So, I worked really, really hard on a pitch. I talked to a couple other folks who had written craft books, and I learned how to write a book proposal, and I spent all kinds of time and energy and effort putting together what I thought was a really great proposal for a book called A Hand-Lettered Year. It was going to be filled with 52 different tutorials so that you could do one each week and work yourself through a year, and at the end, you would have a variety of lettering skills. So initially, it went really well. The person that I was communicating with loved the idea, so we worked together and we refined the proposal, and it continued to go through different levels of the approval process. And then I got an email that completely shattered my hopes. The pitch had reached the final hurdle. This was a big publishing company, so it was lots of different hoops to jump through, different levels of people that had to approve it, and it got to the senior editor and it got rejected. The editor thought that there were too many other lettering books out there, and there wasn't enough room in the market for mine. I was devastated. I took it super personally, and I believed what they said. I took it at face value and thought, okay, I guess they're right. You know, there's only room for so many, and there isn't room for mine. Everybody that's going to write a lettering book has already done it, and I guess I don't have anything new to bring to the table, even though I thought I did. And then my husband stepped in and he talked some sense into me and he encouraged me, reminding me that, you know, this had been a great opportunity, but they were not the only publishing company in the world. He encouraged me to research other publishers and reach out until I found someone who believed in my idea as much as I did. So I did that. I checked out, you know, who published other craft books And the first one that I decided to contact was Page Street Publishing. They're a small independent company in Massachusetts, but they have a really big reach because their distributor is Macmillan. 
Page Street at the time primarily published cookbooks, but they also had a few craft books and a blogger that's a friend of mine had published through them. And I also noticed that they had some adult coloring books. So they were a little bit into that creative coloring art market. Well, thanks to the work that I had done with the other publishing company, my proposal was even better than ever. And when I took it to Page Street, they got really excited. And they saw it as a natural next step for their coloring book audience. Instead of coloring someone else's designs, they could take it to the next level and learn to draw their own and then color them. It actually ended up being a perfect marriage. I am so glad that the first company turned me down because had I gone with them and it all worked out, my lettering book would have ended up looking a lot like what's out there already. And maybe there wouldn't have been a market for that. But thanks to the collaboration that I have with Page Street, they brought some things to the table, like the idea of the border pages at the end of each of my chapters, where I draw a border that folks can color in, and then they create their design and the empty space inside, as well as just the format and setup and layout of the books. We were able to create something completely unique from every other lettering book out there. I brought the idea of the little inspirational and encouraging messages in each chapter. They brought the ideas of the border pages. And together, we created something that's unlike anything else. And because of that, there is a market for it. In just one year, my book went to print four times because it kept selling out. It sold over 40,000 copies. And it's been translated into a Portuguese edition for art lovers in Brazil who didn't have any calligraphy books written in their native language. Not to mention, the success of the first book led to three more book deals with Page Street already. My kids' book came out this past October. Hand Lettering for Laughter, which focuses on funny quotes, is releasing this April. And Hand Lettering for Faith, which is all about Bible journaling, hit shelves in October of 2019. It's beyond my wildest dreams. If I had walked away when my original plan failed, I would have had nothing except frustration and broken dreams. But because I erased and I reworked it and I I went somewhere else, I tried something different and new and was willing to let things go in a path that I didn't foresee, I ended up with something far, far better than what I originally hoped for. Of course, the best eraser story of all in my life has nothing to do with my job, and it starts back in January of 2017. I was scrolling my Facebook feed, as one does, and I saw this adorable photo of the cutest little boy you can imagine, whose smile could light up the darkest room. I was like, who is this cutie? So I read the words above the picture, and I realized I wasn't looking at a friend of a friend. What this was a friend from high school who had recently adopted a little girl from China was sharing it from an advocacy site that advocates for orphans. She had written that she was sharing this little boy's picture in the hopes that his mama would see him and bring him home. Guys, I don't know. I have struggled for years now to figure out how to explain this in words in a way that makes some kind of sense. But all I can tell you is that I knew, I just knew deep in my heart that I was that mama. 
But what you have to understand about this situation is that our family was in no way, shape, or form considering adoption, like not at all on our radar. My dad is an only child. I am an only child. My husband and I had an only child. And in my mind, our family was complete. I never wanted a second child, which sounds awful to say. And I don't have anything against families who have many children. That's awesome. But just personally, I had never had a desire for a second child because growing up, I had liked not having brothers and sisters. I had a great childhood. I have a wonderful family, a great relationship with my parents. And that's what I knew how to do. I knew what to do with one kid. I didn't know what to do with more. (laughs) And yet here was this little boy staring back at me from the screen and this phrase repeating itself in my heart. This is your son. This is your son. I didn't know what was going on. And I did instinctively what I think most of us would probably do, which is immediately try to find all the reasons why that couldn't possibly be so, why it would never work. First, I figured because many of the waiting children um, have some kind of severe special need that requires a lot of medical attention or maybe something that we weren't set up for, something we weren't equipped to handle, like our house is not wheelchair accessible, that kind of thing. Um, So I went to the site to read his bio. I thought, you know, it won't hurt. I'll just click. I'll read it. It'll tell me about this crazy thing that he has going on that we can't possibly take on. And what I found was that he didn't. Instead, I found that he had had a, a need when he was younger, but he outgrew it. And he doesn't even take medicine today. I read that he loved games. He loved puzzles, using his imagination, just like our son, Little Crafter. So I tried again. You see, I was pretty sure that you weren't allowed to adopt out of birth order. And our son was eight at the time. This little boy was nine. I had had a friend who adopted from the Congo, and they had to follow that rule. They couldn't adopt a little girl who was older than the children they already had. So I reached out to my friend, and I said, hey, you know, this boy's really cute. (laughs) If only he were younger, maybe I'd consider it. And she was like, wait, what? That rule applies to some countries, obviously the Congo, but it doesn't apply to China. So another obstacle was removed. Again and again, I kept trying, but my excuses fell short every time. And I realized that it was time to take out my eraser. My plan for my family had made me happy until now. But now I could not get his face out of my mind. I couldn't rest until we at least pursued the possibility of bringing this child home. So I talked to my husband, we prayed about it, and As we did, every door that I thought would close was flung wide open. And even as we went through the process, I couldn't believe it. I kept waiting for something to be the, oh, no, you don't really have to do this. And it didn't happen. So nine months later, in October 2017, our family boarded a plane to Beijing. And on October 9th in Chengdu, we became a family of four. I tell you, friends, never in my wildest dreams and plans did I imagine adopting a child, let alone a 10-year-old Chinese boy. Never did I think that I would go from having an only child to having children so close in age who are in the same grade in school. We did what's called virtual twinning, even though 
one is 10 and one is 11 right now. Um, they are both in sixth grade. They have the same teachers. They have similar friends. They do all the same things, same activities. It's just like having twins. I never, ever foresaw that. I never imagined traveling to Asia. I had never left the country. I never dreamed I would have such a heart for its people. Not one single part, not one part of this story coincides with my own plan for my life. But I cannot begin to tell you how much more joyful our home is with Nathan in it. I can't tell you how much I grew as a person and as a mother or what an incredible out-of-this-world faith journey this has been and continues to be. Taking out my eraser and being willing to get rid of my own ideas and take what felt like and was an enormous risk is one of the best decisions that I have ever made. If you have ever known or seen our family in person, I don't need to tell you this, but in case you haven't, our adopted son, as well as our biological son, fills our lives with laughter and love. And I see now that our family even though it felt complete at the time to me, was never really complete without him in it. Thank goodness that I was willing to erase my own version of our story and let God write his instead. Friends, I don't know whether you consider yourself to be an artist in need of artistic tools and supplies, or maybe you think you're the farthest thing from it. But no matter what you are, what you do, I want to tell you that the most important tool that you should be carrying with you every day is the same as mine. All of us need to go into each day equipped with a good eraser and the willingness to use it, to erase our own expectations, our failures, and anything else that's holding us back. Will you carry one today? Thanks for listening to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. For more inspiration, check out amylattacreations.com.